podcast presented by Rally House, your city, your house. Rally House, joined by MJ Melendez, Michael Massey of your Kansas City Royals. And I got to start off with what impresses me most about uh, where you guys are at as as big leaguers is, is what you did to get here. For a lot of us on the outside, you know, we all think it's this coach that did us wrong or... Now nah, we, we never got the right look. That's why we didn't make. Now it's because we didn't work hard. When did you guys realize, man, I'm working harder than the rest of my peers? You know, I, th- I think I always had a, a love for baseball. Like we were talking to a young fan today over at the, the rally place where we did the radio station. And uh, he was like, you know, his mom's like, well, he, he, he plays basketball, but he, he says he plays basketball just in the offseason of baseball. And so you can really tell he's all in on baseball and he just does, you know, he does basketball as an offseason activity. And to be honest with you, ever since I've been eight or nine years old, that's always been my thought process. I always played, uh, you know, baseball. I always played football, basketball, soccer, different sports. Uh, but for whatever reason, it was just it was always centered around baseball. And it's almost like those were things that I just did to stay in shape and train for for my baseball season. So, man, as early as I can think, I, I feel like I was pretty all in on baseball. Yeah, I mean, same for me. My dad never really let me play anything else, just because mainly football because he didn't want me to get hurt. Um, we ended up moving to Alabama my seventh grade year of high school. We were there for like five years. And I told my dad, I was like, listen, you want me to make friends here? You moved us out here. You took a coaching job out here, so I'm going to play football and basketball. And I ended up doing that, but I always knew baseball was, was the number one priority for me and uh, stopped basketball after my freshman year, stopped football after my sophomore year. Uh, but I think, you know, you kind of probably for us both, you know, around like your freshman, sophomore year, high school is when you really like – you can kind of see, okay, this can be a real thing and I can do this for a living. And uh, it's probably like when we start working, you know, outworking, uh, you know, our peers even more. Motivation to get to the big leagues is obvious. But now that you're here, you want to improve. But but what's the motivation now to work as hard as you did to get to where you're at now? I mean, I think just seeing the guys around the league, seeing how, People have success. Um, some of the best players in the game, you know, each year uh, they're, you know, going out and doing the same thing, if not better. Obviously, you know, you're going to go through slumps, you're going to have some fall off years. But I think going out there and, and trying to be the best against the best is really where that motivation comes from. Uh, and just not settling. Like, obviously, you know, we're blessed to be big leaguers. But at the end of the day, I know me and Mass, we, we don't want to just settle to be in the league. We want to be the best. And, and how, do you, how do you go about that? Because I'm sure the second baseman and catcher slash outfielder for the Pirates and the Red Sox are saying the exact same thing. Yeah, I think it, uh, you know, I think number one, it's just, it's the bond you have with your teammates. Um, you know, I think that that kind of holds you accountable. You know, the bond that I have with MJ and Bobby and, and Vinny and Nate and all, you know, all the young guys and, and the guys I got to meet last year, you know, you talk about accountability. I mean, that, that makes you want to go work and it makes you want to go win for those guys. And it also makes you want to go in, you know, for the fans. Obviously, you know, go to the Chiefs game tomorrow, and you know, Chiefs fans are Royals fans. I hope, uh, and, and so you kind of get a firsthand glimpse of of how energetic the city can be and how much you know they can really get into it. And so that's that's another motivating force. And um, but no, to, I mean, to your point, it, it is easy to just sit there and say, "Hey, we want to be the best." You know, I think that's where you really got to buy in. At least for me personally, I've bought into the the process idea and just um, you know, trusting that I'm going to come up with a plan from from my coaches that I trust, from teammates that I've played with, from my own experience, and, and put together a plan in the offseason that I think is superior to, to the competition. And you just got to buy into that. Um, and you got to keep at it every single day. And, you know, and not every single day, it, it's not, uh, you're not sweating every single day. Some days it's, it's rest and, and recovery. And, um, you know, that's something I've learned 
uh, throughout my college and, and minor league career as well. Um, you know, just in the importance of staying healthy. So, but like I said, just, just really buying into that process. The accountability that you talk about between this core of Royals, how do you balance holding a teammate accountable when you both are still fighting for your job, still trying to really dig your feet in, in this big league game? Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's more just actions. You know, it, it's a lot, especially, like you said, as a young guy, you kind of learn, like, you know, it's probably not the smartest thing to open your mouth to a, a guy that's been in the league for five, six, seven years. Um, you know, you're still trying to figure it out yourself. But um, I think, you know, being on teams where I've been a veteran, say in college or in high school where you're a junior or senior and you're kind of an upperclassman, um, when young guys come in and they go about their business the right way, it you notice it. And, and it kind of puts that extra pressure on you. Like, okay, well, if I'm going to be a leader on this team, like this guy's going to push me and I, and he's not going to say anything, but just the way he goes about his business, you know, and I think that's something, uh, we have a lot of great, you know, leaders in our clubhouse, uh, young guys and older guys. And so I, I think it's just cool as a young guy to, to, to adapt to some of that. And then also to bring in kind of what you're about and some of your own stuff, um, you know, and see if you can kind of fit that in as well. Yeah. MJ, I'm curious where, where you see yourself in, in that having a voice in that clubhouse. We all know Salvi and Nikki and Dozier, they, they've been around for years. I understand that. Um, but to the place of where you feel comfortable, you can hold teammates accountable. Uh, but then there's also a accountability of the clubhouse where I'm going to take things personally if you're not out there giving it your all. To me, as a ball player, that's got to be difficult. Of i got to handle my business, but I also want to make sure that we as a group are out there winning and all tugging on the same end of the rope. No, of course. I mean, I think, you know, uh, coming up, playing with a lot of the guys that, you know, are on the team now, a lot of us younger guys, you know, we've done that. We've done it at the at the lower levels and just bringing that to the highest level. Obviously, you know, the combination of us with, with the guys like Salvi that are older uh, and have been doing it for a longer period of time at the highest level, you know, it's just kind of finding that balance. Um, and, and like Matt said, holding each other accountable, um, leading by example. That's something that, you know, the best players in the game have done. You see Derek Jeter. You know, he might not have been the most vocal guy in the clubhouse, but I'll tell you what, everybody respected him and looked up to him because of what he did day in and day out uh, on and off the field. So I think it's just doing that, and I, I feel like we all have really good relationships, whereas if we're giving each other advice, nobody's going to take it too personal. It's, we want the better, you know, for, for our teammates, for our brothers, and uh, we know that's going to, you know, they're going to give that to us in return. I've asked a lot about motivation. How much – because. Uh, again, I'm, I'm a sports nerd, so I've watched a lot of old basketball and football players talk, and they all talk, man, the fear of failure motivates me. Baseball's a game of failure. I'm wondering, is that inside of you, of not wanting to be embarrassed in front of 40,000, that fear of failure? Yeah, I mean, I think that's certainly something, um, you know, as a young guy, I think you feel at times, but at the same time, I've at least come to the conclusion, like, you know what, if if this is what I'm meant to do and this is where I'm meant to be, the reality is I'm going to be embarrassed in front of 40,000 people quite a bit. So it's almost like, you know what, just get over it and, and handle it um, and be professional about it and understand that it's part of that process, like I said earlier. And kind of once you can get over that hump, then you can really start. You know, the way I look at it is like it's kind of selfish to my teammates. You know, like if I'm so worried about myself being embarrassed, it means I'm less concerned about winning for MJ or winning for Vinny or winning for the, the Royals fans. And, and so uh, just trying to take that attention off yourself and, and realize, you know what, that's just part of the job. Every, every job you take has has perks, and every job you take has has a downfall to it. So it's just part of it, and, and you got to deal with it, and that's that's part of being a professional. I've heard Mark DeRosa say you're not a big leaguer until you're standing there naked in front of 40,000 on the ball field. Yeah, I mean, 
it, it's those uncomfortable situations. I think, uh, Macedon, that you know, the preparation that you have in the offseason, you know, anything you can do to prepare you for moments. And, and I think something that a lot of great athletes do is just being uncomfortable uh, and, and finding a way to, you know, go through that, get through that and persevere and, you know, whether it's in the weight room, you're going you're going extra hard that day, you know, you're really tired and you're just persevering through that whole entire workout so that, you know, when you get on the field, it makes that moment a little bit easier. It, it's not as, you know, as tough of a situation and you don't have mm-hmm. as much pressure. And, you know, like you said as well, it, it's you're out there, you're not just doing it for yourself. You know, you have a whole team behind you. So you're going to have a little bit more pressure if you're just worried about yourself rather than the whole team. Yeah. I feel like when you're playing for the team, that's why you see guys perform at such high levels in championship situations because at that point it doesn't really matter what you do. It's about the team winning. And then in turn, usually, you just end up playing better. Rally House, shop every team in town. College and pro, come on, it's time to go. It's playoffs time, KC. Rally House has the Chiefs gear you're looking for, including Chiefs official postseason gear and the latest styles fit for the kingdom. Kansas, Missouri, Kansas State, Chiefs and Royals make KC great. Rally House. Rally House, it's your city, it's your house, it's a Rally House. You're in-store and online at rallyhouse.com. MJ Melendez, Michael Massey joining us here, uh, presented by Rally House, your city, your house, Rally House. As you look back at the rookie campaign, thousands of lessons, I'm sure, but as you've been working this offseason, give me one that stands out. Uh, the, the biggest physical one for me is just staying on the ball. You know, I think a lot of times I'd look at, you know, Finally, in the big leagues, you get that front angle of your swing, which you miss so much in the minors because the games are on TV. So you're able to watch yourself from that that TV angle. And I could just really see, man, when I take a swing, my barrel making a hard right turn is like as right as I'm about to make contact with the ball. Um, so this offseason, I've just drilled, like staying through the ball, keeping my barrel flush to left center so I can make more consistent contact. Staying inside the ball better creates better spin. Um, so re- that, it's more of a mechanical adjustment right now for me that I felt. And then again, as you start playing in spring training and, and you kind of get back into the flow of things, um, I think that's where you begin to really work on those mental adjustments. It's, it's hard to work on the mental ones when you're not getting any mental reps. You know, you're not, you're not playing any games right now or, or, or practices. And so physical is really the only thing you can really hone in on in the offseason. So I'm excited to, to obviously put the physical adjustment to work and then, uh, you know, get out there and, and work on those mental ones too. Yeah, I would say for me, uh, obviously, it's easy, you know, the physical stuff to, to kind of see what you did wrong and, you know, improve on that. Something for me that, that I, you know, have been trying to hone in on is even outside of the physical. And it's more like preparation, not something that you can really work on. But just being in myself, uh, I, I feel like last season, you know, being a rookie, I just tried to do what I needed to do to, you know, get through the games and, and not, you know, you know, put too much, too many eyes on myself. Just kind of do what you do and, and stay under the radar. Uh, that's you know, as a rookie, you go in there and you don't want to rub anybody the wrong way, turn any heads in, in, in the wrong in, in the wrong sense. So, I think this next season, just going out there and being myself like I did in the minor leagues, and I, I think you can mass probably tell you like in the clubhouse, I'm, I'm kind of different probably than how I appear on the field. I'm pretty goofy, always trying to keep things light, and and I think if I can just bring that into this next season, you know, how I was in the minor leagues, I think it's going to be a really good season. Yeah, I feel as if the first interaction we had was your first spring training and you were mild-mannered. And a few years later, you were being yourself inside of that spring training clubhouse, bringing that to the Bigley clubhouse. I'm wondering, because my highlight of yours 
from this previous season is going down that first base line, looking in that Royals dugout after you <laughs> smoked one. Oh, man. Um, is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Because that would be welcomed by me and I think everybody in that yeah. stadium. Maybe, I, maybe it wasn't always embraced by others. No, but, that's but, that's that's more of me. And, and like I said, it's just, you know, trying to you know stay humble and, and you know, not – you know, rub any, anybody the wrong way. Obviously, you know, being a rookie and and just kind of being the new guy, you just kind of want to do what you, do as you're told and and not you know create too much attention around yourself. But at the end of the day, you know, to help the team win, I feel like I have to be myself. I, I think you know, like I said, in, in the clubhouse and off the field, I'm a pretty goofy guy, and I don't really care you know what people think. And I feel like that's just how I have to play the game. And uh, got there, play with a little bit of chip on my shoulder, and uh, you know, I, I feel like it's gonna. It'll really show, and I feel like you know our whole team has has the opportunity to play like that. Yeah, that was D Wade standing on the scores table. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Michael, how would you describe to the Royals fan watching, listening, standing in the box at Kauffman Stadium? Yeah, I mean it, it depends. It depends what uh, where you come from. I know for me, it's uh, it was a dream. You know, it's something I always. Uh, one of the coolest moments for me this year was just you, throughout your whole life, and I'm sure MJ can say the same thing. You all the, the weight room sessions that you put in or the, the hitting sessions and, and fielding and all the games you play, all the tough nights you have, you always you have that dream in your head that keeps you going, you know, that dream of stepping onto a major league field or stepping into the batter's box at you know, at a place like Kauffman Stadium. And uh, you know, it's just it's it's something that when I went out there for the first time, you always you have that dream and then you open your eyes and it's gone. You know, and you, and you go on with your day and then to step in that box for the first time this year was something where you feel like you're trying to open your eyes and you're like, wait, they're open. Like this is real. Uh, so, you know, that was, that was something that was super special to me. Um, you know, and, and I hope to, uh, I don't take it for granted. That's for sure. So, um, you know, I hope to get, uh, just, a, just a few more bats sure. in that batter's box. So not that you would ever take it for granted, but does the wow of it, the, whether we're talking about just the size of it or just the, holy crap, it's the show three decks. How long, how many at-bats, games, months did it take for that to wear off for you? To be honest with you, in like the most humble way possible, I'm going to say this. For me, I feel like it, it never really came in a sense to where when I got up and I told my dad this, I told my family, and I don't know if I've ever said this in like a public setting, but when I, after my first game, I talked to my dad and he's like, man, how did it feel? How did it feel that first hit? I said, I'm, it felt great. Like, were you nervous? I said, no. Uh, I, I never really got the whole nervous thing. I never really got the jitters. I never really got any anxiety. And I felt like that was, like, the defining moment for me of, like, okay, I'm supposed to be here. Like, I'm a big leaguer. Like, I am supposed to be a major league baseball player. And, and it was a really cool feeling. And, and I remember actually asking Bobby. I was like, Bob, did you, uh, like, how did you feel? He's like, dude. And he literally described the same thing I did. I was like, Dude, we're meant to be here. Like, we're born to be Major League Baseball players. And so that was a moment for me that, like, was really surreal. And it was cool. So I never really got the those little jitters. But I know, you know, when we get to playoff baseball, that's going right. <laughs> to that's gonna hit a little bit different. And you I think. Yeah. You never know. Like you were saying with Jeter, I, I feel like when he got there, it was still ball, you know? Mm-hmm. Still Still do your job, give it to the guy behind you. Yep, exactly. Same game. Mike, when you hear that, a guy like Bobby or MJ, it's, I've never really felt those jitters. They describe belonging. Uh, You didn't have the full six months that they did. Did you reach that? I belong, because all big leaguers reach that moment of, all right, I'm done, I'm here. 
now let's move. Did you have that moment? Yeah, no, I think, I think the journey is different for everybody. Um, you know, I, I certainly felt like, you know, I think my first at bat, I remember in Toronto, I had some jitters. My legs were shaking pretty good. Um, I don't know if that was because it was first at bat. It was also a pinch hit. So like, I don't know if I was just like rushed in the game type of thing, but I would honestly, I felt like that first start I made in Toronto. I, I, uh, along the lines of what MJ said, I didn't really feel that. You know, I remember being nervous before the game, but once I got out there and got going, it was like, all right, mm-hmm. like you said, this is just baseball, yeah. you know, in, in a different stage, obviously. And I think that speaks to really what impressed me first about you was just how serious every rep in spring training mm-hmm. you took, whether we're talking defensively or at the dish. I was like, yeah, a lot of guys that aren't on the 40 were here early. They're not taking it that serious. It, it speaks to your professionalism, I would imagine, that allowed those nervous butterflies to to cease rather quickly yeah, yeah no that was that was something that like you talk about that rep you know the way I take my reps it's it's something that's super serious to me in the sense of in college I had a pretty significant back injury and I remember when I first got drafted by the Royals you know I'm out on the backfields and, and they're letting everyone else take 75 80 90 95 ground balls with 100 plus swings and uh, I remember getting my sheets and it was like you know 25 ground balls 50 swings and so I'm sitting there and I'm like man I'm looking around I'm gonna get caught like these guys are all getting so many more reps than I'm getting. Um, and so in my head, I, I kind of came up with this, like, you know what? This is, again, just accepting it as a professional and being like, you know what? This is the way it is. I can't change it. Um, but I got to find a way to get just as good as these guys in lesser amount of reps. So what goes into my rep has to be so much cleaner and so much more efficient than what goes into somebody else's rep. And so if that's a ground ball in spring training, um, to me, it's not a ground ball on a Thursday afternoon in spring training in Surprise, Arizona. I got to find a way before my rep to close my eyes, put myself at Kauffman Stadium on opening day or in a playoff game and say, all right, man, this is the seventh inning, game's on the line, this ball's coming to me. And now I get a fungo rep with that mentality on it. And now I do that five times, 10 times, 20 times, 30 times. And I take 40 or 50 reps like that. You could take a million reps like it's spring training all you want. And my 50 reps are going to beat yours. And so that's the way that I kind of look at my process and my training and and I think that that kind of went along with, I think, maybe what you saw. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. over there nodding, yeah. I think it's just about, you know, doing everything with a purpose. It's like, you know, Matt said, you, you it doesn't matter if you take, you know, 200 swings in the cages. Like, if those 200 swings, if you're just doing it just to do it, it's not going to be the same as if you take 50 intentional swings. So, you know, just doing everything, having a reason behind it, and, and putting yourself in those situations. I know uh, for me, whether it's in my head or, you know, in the off season with my dad, uh, my last couple rounds of BP, we do like situation. All right, hey, you know, playoff game, World Series, man on second base, two outs, down by one. Like, what are you going to do? And obviously, you know, it's not the exact same situations, but just putting yourself in those situations. Thinking. The right. focus, you know, the intention behind it. And, 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 you know, doing that, and it translates to the game. I do believe that. It's great you do that because if I was you, I would just hit those prodigious bombs in <laughs> BP all day. I'm, Solaire's the only guy that I would say could put on the kind of show. At least during spring training. Yeah, he, he can, would put he on the backfield. He definitely put on a show. Rally <laughs> House, shop every team in town. College and pro, come on, it's time to go. It's playoffs time, KC. Rally House has the Chiefs gear you're looking for, including Chiefs official postseason gear and the latest styles fit for the kingdom. Kansas, Missouri, Kansas State, Chiefs and Royals make KC great. Rally House, Rally House. Your city, it's your house, it's a rally house. You're in store and online at rallyhouse.com. For both of you, what what does it feel like? The expectations, the hope, not that, that you and your friends and family have, but also, 
everyone listening, watching, all those people that showed up at Rally House. What is that? This is what you dreamed of, and now mm-hmm. here it is. Here's a whole bunch of expectations and pressure. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the things that I, um, you know, and I guess I understand it, but I, I, I haven't really bought into it is the, you know, hey, you're young, you're going to struggle, you're going to go through these things, we're going to struggle as a team because we're young and we're inexperienced. And to me, it's... Um, I take it as like a slight personally in the sense of, um, yeah, I get, you know, I get we're young and I get we're inexperienced, but at the same time we're professionals too. And so I've never bought into the underdog story because I think the moment you believe you're an underdog is when you actually become an underdog because you truly think then the other person is better than you. Um, and, and so we, like we've talked about on this, this podcast, man, like we, we both had our journeys just like everyone else had their journey and we're here now and, and you know, how long we're here, who knows? That's, that's not up to us. And, uh, we just got to go in and put the work in every single day. But I certainly feel the expectation to win, and I'm glad it's like that. You know, I wouldn't want it to be any other way. Yeah, no, Does I, it feel I, different for you? No, no, that's the same. I love that he said that, actually, because I, I think both of us, you know, go, coming up through the minor leagues, like, we've won. Like, what we do is we win. And at the end of the day, like, we're in the major leagues to win. Yeah, we're good players, but we're not up here just to, you know, put up our own personal stats. We're up here to win ball games. And to win a World Series, uh, and that's a goal of ours, but it's also an expectation. I think not just from anybody else, but from ourselves. Like we believe that we can do that, and it doesn't matter if we don't have you know a three hundred million dollar guy signed to our team. Like that, I feel like we're just as good, if not better, than that guy. And I feel like the way that we can play together and the chemistry that we have is going to be better than you know if some team has ten guys signed for thirty mil a year. What impresses you about one another's game? You talked about, you know, your first, my first game and how I felt, but I would have guessed, you know, that Nats didn't have any, any trouble, any problem. I was unfortunately not able to watch in person, but, you know, just watching that Toronto trip and, and how he handled that first game and, you know, how he was controlling the the bat and, and his, uh, his at-bats is extremely impressive. I mean, he goes and you do that and then you can go and play, you know, gold glove defense. I mean, he already did it in the minor leagues, the gold glove. I think it's just a matter of time, you know, a matter of games played in the major leagues to be able to do that at the major league level. I mean, you know, any ball hit anywhere close to second base and it's going to be even more impressive now where you don't have a shift. You're right. going to see the kind of range that he's able to display and make those crazy plays and obviously, you know, do it with a bat as well. Mass, real quick, before you tell me what stands out about MJ, tell me about the, the offseason, the range at second base, because all second basemen, all shortstops across Major League Baseball this season, it's, all right, you know, now we're going to see what type of athlete you truly are. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously a lot of it is athleticism, and, and I've been working on that physically um, in the weight room and, and all that stuff. But I, I also think a lot of it's mentally, and I think what you're going to see is how, uh, how good guys can be at reading swings uh, knowing what pitch is coming is going to be super, super important now. Um, just to get any any advantage that you possibly can, uh, you know, whether it's a step to the left, a step to the right, just a quicker jump to the left, maybe if you read the barrel out in front or something mm-hmm. like that. So, and, and honestly, I'm excited to talk to to our new coaches about that. Um, I, I feel like they're going to have a really, really good feel on it and, um, you know, just going into spring training, trying to learn all that stuff. Yeah, it's going to be a dangerous infield, probably a dangerous outfield. Uh, you're going to be moonlighting out there or – we might see out there a lot this season. How comfortable are you with the idea of an everyday left-right fielder? For me, it's always been whatever's best for the team, and I feel like uh, I have the athleticism to be able to do that. And, you know, this offseason, my training has been, you know, more tailored to be a, being able to be an outfielder, whereas before it was always, you know, doing stuff for catching 
always pertaining to being behind the plate. And now it's, you know, working on my speed, working on my jumps, working on my quick twitch muscles, being able to turn and get to balls, having good routes, you know, doing all those little things. And not that I'm going to be perfect by any means, but, you know, just being able to improve on that now year in and year out. And, you know, still being ready and being prepared mentally and physically to, to catch ball games when need be. Does the idea of playing more in the outfield allow you to feed your body in a different way? Do you have to have a, a different athleticism in left-right compared to behind the dish? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely different. I've always tried to stay lean. And it was it's funny because anytime I would go somewhere and people would ask what sport you play, baseball, they'd say, oh, you're, you know, you're a shortstop or you're an outfielder because I was always, you know, thinner. And now it's, you know, being able to not only just keep that and maintain that, but also being able to show that, you know, with, you know, my speed and my athleticism out in the outfield. So, man, I'm excited. I'm excited to go out and do that every single day. What stands out to you about MJ? Uh, it's funny because he took my answer. Uh, one of the things that stands out to me is just his confidence and his swagger. Obviously, having the, the personal experience of that myself, it is not an easy transition to come from AAA or the minor leagues. And go into the big leagues right away and have and be able to maintain that confidence. And so um, just to see the way that he carries himself on the field, again, such a professional manner. You know, we're what, 20, 23, 24? 24, yeah. Um, you know, and, and even more so than that, though, I think he mentioned how other guys looked super confident when they got called up. And I would say that that's a testament to him because he was there before a lot of us were. Um, and so when we got called up, uh, and it's a bunch of faces you don't know and a bunch of guys you never played with. And, and one of the guys you see that you do know is MJ. He played that role perfectly. And, and he was there for all of us, and he made sure we knew where to go. Uh, he made sure we felt comfortable if we needed anything. And so I can't speak to you know enough on how good of a teammate he is. And that, that's something that in our clubhouse I certainly feel like we have a lot of. It's just a lot of guys that care about each other. Um, and, and I really do think that that's why ultimately we're going to end up being successful. Is there a teammate you haven't seen since the end of the season that you're interested to see, A, if they still got it together, if the hair's out of whack? Who are we going to run into and surprise and give a hard time to right away? Uh, well, I mean, absolutely Vinny Pasquantino. I've seen him, and I know his hair is out of whack. Yeah. Um, but that's just, it's always going to give a hard time to Vinny. You know, one guy that sticks out to me that I'm just really excited to see what he's done in the offseason is Drew Waters. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about I, I that, but I mean, it's kind of a whole he, team, and everyone's like, no, "Man, I mean, there's a he, lot of guys I mean, that you can see, take off." You saw how he ended the season. Yeah. I mean, he was freaking hitting home runs left and right. I was like, "Dude, where'd this come yeah. from?" And uh, and you're saying people thought you were thin. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he he can he can swing the bat. So I'm excited to see how he's gonna, how he's going to come back. And I would say uh, I always give uh, Amir a hard time, and uh, yeah, I'm going to mess with him, especially you know he always talks about oh how he used to have hair which i don't think he ever did but and he probably yeah. he still thinks he can yeah he's beat like, oh, you all on the I court can, too yeah oh yeah we talked about that earlier I was saying, it seems to be a common theme going around right yeah, now Yeah, i mean i get it you know he played basketball but i mean i'm just saying it's because he's tall you know like he's yeah. tall he can dunk yeah i told him i was like listen if we had a shooting contest i would beat you he was like no you wouldn't i was like all right well then let's do it he's on the wrong side of 32 you guys <laughs> got youth on him you got the That's, energy yeah exactly yeah. exactly MJ Melendez, Michael Massey, thank you very much for the time. Joining us, uh, presented by Rally House, your city, your house, Rally House. Guys, thank you very much. Appreciate it, Bert. Thanks for having us. us.